Hello, hello. This is Shay Monique Tracy, and you're listening to the Shay Tracy Podcast. to prepare your child for the world that we're coming up in? Do you feel like the energy in your home is up and down, making it hard for you to relax? Is sharing your past experiences with your children difficult, or do you think it's even necessary? Well, in today's episode, I'm going to talk about all of that and more in hopes of building a better connection and reducing those problem behaviors in your home. So for those of you who know, who don't know me, my name is Shay Money Tracy, I go by Shay, and I am a nine-year mom and an eight-year educator who helps loving mothers eliminate problem behaviors, right? So what started me on this journey was, one, working with the students that I work with who have particularly tra- uh, challenging behaviors. I've worked with students who have moderate to severe disabilities. I've worked with students with autism. I've worked with students with emotional and behavioral disturbances. And I often find this common thread that I have to bring into my classroom that I'm like, this should be in every home, in every classroom. And that is social emotional learning and those social skills that we build based on self-management. Right. So my premise as a parent, as an educator, is that rather than us trying desperately to control our children, we should give them the tools that they need in order to best control themselves. Right. We understand what is a good behavior versus what is a bad behavior. And truly how we come to that conclusion is in the long run, what will this do for them? Is it going to help them or going to harm them? And just having that basic question helps us identify like which behaviors we need to put some energy behind to change and those of which that aren't really a big deal. Like just let it fly, right? So in today's episode, the thing that I feel that every single mom needs to know is that first we have to identify the kind of world that we're coming up in. I know for myself, like, the narrative that we have for children in terms of what they should be doing has a lot to do with the future, right? Like well, when you grow up and uh, as an adult and well, when you get to college and while that idea is helpful, it doesn't serve them in terms of where they are right now, right? So if we constantly put this refrain or this idea that children's job is to grow up, then we remove all the preparation that we're able to do in these moments, right? So someone who eventually grows up to be a responsible person, someone who you can hold accountable, someone who advocates for the other person, they don't just arrive at 18 and able to do that, right? They've had experiences and, you know, they've learned skills and they've met people that have taught them these things so that when they get to that age, they're able to showcase all those skills, so I build heavily on this idea of just meeting them where they are and giving them what they need in this current season, right? So if we serve this season well, it automatically prepares us for the next season. But if we're constantly thinking of the next phase and the next phase as some place to get to, 
then we're inherently teaching our children that the present moment doesn't matter and that there's something that we should be waiting for, right? When really all the mindfulness in today would allow them to have a really full experience and can take away a lot of the anxiety that they are feeling in this current day. So looking at the news, you don't think the world's about to end. And I'm sure they felt this in every generation, I'm more than sure. But what we have in this particular generation that's really special and extremely spectacular is that we're able to see what's happening everywhere in the way that no generation before us has been able, right? We have information that's available to us at the drop of a hat. Our nine-year-olds, our six-year-olds, they're not comparing themselves to the kids in their class, right? They're comparing themselves to the kids in the world because those kids have exposure to things like social media, to things like Reddit, to things like um, video games online with their friends who are not even in their house. So their experience is very different from ours, right? Their exposure is different from ours. There's YouTube videos that they're able to watch that is extremely different from the information that we had access to at that age. So in the hopes of trying to prepare them for this world, we have to, again, just be, be mindful and equip them with the ways that they can best control themselves, right? So we don't have to constantly monitor. And I think that's the new thing, right? Where I'm grateful that the transition from the militant parent is dying, right? And the parent is always right. That narrative is dying. Like childhood is being experienced in a way currently that has never been experienced before, but at max, right? We have a lot of parents who are just, are above and beyond for their kids and I think that's so dope but before like our parents would never not take a job because it didn't fit into their child schedule and we're seeing a lot more of that now right there are parents who are making those decisions because it just doesn't fit with my current life and I want to be able to be present for our kids which is wonderful but we're also again we're seeing some really dramatic shifts in the job market. We're seeing a, a lot of dramatic shifts in identity. We're seeing a lot of dramatic shifts in representation, right? Diversity is actually being a thing. Belonging is actually coming into fruition, which is beautiful. Um, but in the midst of us preparing our kids and getting them to, one, know themselves, right? Because they're going into a world that's constantly telling them who and what they are and how we center them and how we ground them. It's just reminding them of the works of who they are in this moment, right? So they're not aspiring to be something else. Like, how can we get them to be their best selves in this moment? And we're being pulled in so many directions. And what I find that is really important for me in my parenting journey is when I got to be an adult, when I got to college, when I graduated college, there was a lot of um, floundering and a lot of movement and a lot of me trying to return to who I was before. And I thought to myself, well, how much more powerful would my journey have been if I never had to get back to what was taken away from me, right? Me having a voice, 
me having convictions, me having certain personalities, that feistiness that we try to pull out of girls, that sensitivities that we try to drill out of boys. What would have happened had we allowed that space for our children to grow up and to just be the full humans who feel all the things, right? In a way that's manageable. Like what would that look like for us? And truly that's my underlying mission. I just want our children to grow up and to not have to return to themselves or go back and find themselves because they were never lost, right? They never had to bury that person down. They never had to push those feelings down, push those ideas down until they became of age where it became more appropriate. So in hopes of removing that, I want to make it so that a lot of parents are also able to see their kids where they currently are instead of where we would like them to be, instead of where we're hoping they will be, because that journey that they're on, they're on their own individual journey, and we just get to be here to facilitate it, right? We get to be there to support it. We get to be there to give them the space to do more of the things that they love, and I'm returning back to the things that I love, right? Like I'm writing more, I'm speaking more, I'm able to utilize some of those other skills that I put down in hopes of doing this thing, right? So we give our kids the space to not have to put down the things they love, but instead to grow those things out into something more until they decide to love something new. I think we would have a lot less anxiety. We'd have a lot less indecision. We'd have a lot less um, scrambling around and people would be more fulfilled. Our children would be fulfilled and they would be purpose-filled, right? They would know like what their intentions are and what they really care about and what's valuable to them because we never tried to tell them to put it away, right? So in hopes of them growing up to be their full selves, let's start by being parents who don't strip away who they are. Right. And if we're parents who don't strip away who they are, then we're automatically preparing them to go out into the world because the world is going to try to strip them in addition to. Right. The world is going to tell them that this is what they should value and this is what they should want and this is who they should be. But if we're constantly filling them up and affirming who they are in this moment, then when they go out into that world, they're not going to put down the things that they've been told. But if we're putting them down and the world is also telling them who and what and how they should maneuver, when they go out, they're going to be those lost individuals who don't come back full form until they're in their 40s because now they got it, right? And I don't want that for my kids. I honestly don't. I honestly don't. Um, and then giving the space again to have that imagination and to have that that flexibility, that it doesn't have to be this one thing. We can give you the room to like see what all it could be in all of its spaces. I think it's really necessary so that, um, again, we just feel confident as parents that we've prepared you and equipped you for this world that you're going into. And then also in knowing that our children, they feel prepared and they feel confident and they know what they want and they can go and they can say it boldly without recoiling it, right? Without feeling sorry, without having to apologize. And I just want to be a part of that movement. I want to create that movement. And I want to find other like-minded parents and women and fathers who uh, want to do it too, right? So 
Um, in any case, in doing that, how to go about doing that, I think it really comes down to this. And that is, we have to teach them the things we wish we would have learned sooner. So I know, especially here, uh, we're often bombarded with materialism. Um, and I think that the energy is shifting now so that people so much aren't hoping to acquire things, but really we're looking to gain more experiences, right? Um, <clears throat> but teaching our children the things that we wish we would have learned sooner can definitely help them to identify who they are right now and who they intend to be and what they want to work on and what they want to grow, right? So I know from my, my school experience, I didn't come across a Black author until I was in high school, uh, in school, right? In school. But uh, my mother, she knew I was a very avid reader and she would encourage it almost. <laughs> she, had a, she had a stopping point because uh, as, a, as a preteen and as a teenager, I was inhaling books daily, right? So my mother got to the point of like, I'm not buying no more books. Go to the library, okay? Borrow some books, take them back and go get some more. And that saved my life. That really did. That saved my life. That saved my mom's pockets. Um, but I learned about these really wonderful authors who were able to provide me a different lens or a different viewpoint rather than what I was seeing in school based on the books that we were required to read then. And again, we're in a new space now where schools have changed and diversity has changed and um, the books and the short stories, et cetera, that our, our children are reading, they have much more representation there. But even in that, even with the amount of things that are being shown to our children, the question really is like, are they still learning the things that we wish we would have learned sooner, right? So advocating for yourself, learning boundaries, learning how to cope, right? learning how to communicate your feelings, learning how to stand up for others, learning all of these things. These are skills and viewpoints that had we known sooner, it would have just made a lot less frustration and a lot less difficulty in our lives, right? So while I wish I would have had, you know, the pink <laughs> convertible drop down when I was five, I had it at two, but I couldn't really care. But had I had it at five, I would have been a happier child, right? But it's really not the material or the objects that our kids are after because how many times have you purchased a new toy only for them not to be interested in it days later? Right. Or that amazing episode of Modern Family where the little girl, instead of playing with the, the toy, she played with the box. And then they gave her the box instead of playing with the box, she played with the bag. Then they gave her the bag instead of playing with the bag, she played with the bow. Right. Our kids are never going to really do the things that we quite expect them to do. And for us to, to, for us to anticipate that and for us to expect that, really, it's just a tee-hee-hee on us, right? Because we think we know and we think we're in control. And then our children remind us all the time that we're not, right? So 
and teaching them and giving them the things that we wish we would have known and wish we would have had the experiences we wish we would have experienced sooner. I think, again, we're preparing our children in these moments to become more of themselves and also just adding on to the kind of adult that they'll eventually be, right? So the objective, again, is not to build out better adults. Our objective, our our point, this whole idea of like, why are we doing this? This parenting journey that we're on is so that our kids feel more like themselves in every day, right? I noticed very blatantly when my son began to mimic other people, right? And I saw that their influence was was doing more than my influence, right? And I didn't... (laughs) I, I wasn't rebuffed by that. I wasn't taken aback by that. If anything, I just thought to myself, well, if that resonates with him, then that's great. But if he's just doing it to get along, then that's something else that we we need to discuss. And that became a conversation. And I learned that really he doesn't care, right? He's too cool and too breezy to even try to do more of what his friends are doing, but everyone else is doing it. And that's that gentle reminder. Of, yeah, but you know, but what do you want to do and who are you and how does that fit you? And just giving them more of themselves, the freedom to be themselves, the freedom to say the things that they would like to say, the freedom for them to do the things that they would like to do, as long as they're being safe, as long as it's age appropriate, as long as it's not hurting anyone, right? I'm not here to split hairs on when a kid should or should not, um, have a gun or, you know, when they should or should not watch R-rated. I'm not here to, to discern that. Like as a parent, those that's your right and your privilege to decide what your child is exposed to. But what I am saying is that we want our kids to, again, be mindful and be present and really give more of who they are, right? So if we allow them the space to do that, we allow them to be who they are, we support them in who they are. We learn a lot more about ourselves too. So it's not just about our kids. It's not just about our kids. I know, you know, as the adult, as the um, older person, we're often taught that we should be the ones to give information, that we should be the ones to teach. But my children teach me every day, right? They teach me based on how they react. They teach me based on what they avoid. They teach me based on, you know, how they communicate things to me, things that they find interesting, the questions that they ask. I learn a lot just by allowing them the space to be curious and ask those questions. And it really opens up for me the things that I find or feel are important. So questions that typically trigger me are things that I'm just like, that's so dumb. Like, why do you care? But really, that's my own. (laughs) Back to that childhood trauma, that's my own. You should talk about something smart if you're going to talk. So that's my limitation and that's not my child's and I'm not requiring that of them, right? Like if this is what you care to talk about, then this is what you care to talk about. But I know as a child, for me, if I were to speak, it had to be purposeful. It had to be intentional and giving my children the space to just talk about whatever they want. For me, it's something I wish I would have learned sooner. I could talk about what I want, but I didn't learn that until I was an adult, right? So much, much later. So um, even in that, I think it's really important for a lot of parents to just affirm that this is where they are in that space, right? This is what they want to talk about right now. This is what they care about right now. And I think 
what we don't talk about enough is how many deaths we watch our children have because they're constantly growing and becoming someone new, right? So when you remember your kid who used to love, you know, cars, and now he's moved on to Legos, and now he's moved on to um, Beyblades, and now he's moved on to Pokemon. And it's like, well, what about this thing that you used to? And it's like, no, I don't like that. And if anything, that should be affirming to you, right? That one, look at how much they're growing. But also, it should give you the same sense of mind that I am not locked into anything, and I am given the space to grow as much as I would like. Because children get to experience that, but we do too, right? And they are much closer to remembering that feeling of going from thing to thing to thing and just loving what they love and enjoying what they enjoy and it not being a big deal. And that's the biggest lesson that I've taken away from my children is I can I can do what I want because <laughs> you kind of forget that as an adult, right? Because you have so many responsibilities and so many things that you have to do that you forget that you get to do what you want and you get to make the choices that you make and you get to have the things that you like and say no to the things that you don't. So, and again, another one of those moments where our children are so much more wise than we are, right? Um, so in teaching them the things that we wish we would have learned sooner, uh, it's also really important for us to be open about what it is that we have overcome. Um, and I know that sometimes can become challenging because, you know, you've gone through a lot as an adult. And perhaps if your background is anything like mine, you've experienced some traumas that are sometimes difficult to talk about or may not be appropriate for your child based on their age. But I think being able to share uh, things that make you uncomfortable, things that upset you, someone who was once mean to you, someone who said bad things to you, someone who used to hurt you. Like our children can connect to that. They can connect to that without us being descriptive. They can connect to that without us giving a lot of detail, right? So being able to share um, definitely opens that up and provides that, that space and that communication. And I only bring that up to say is that without adults talking about the things that we've overcome, like we put our children in the position to maybe have to go through that again because we didn't stop or block how we navigated out of it, right? So really interestingly enough, um, I used to grind my teeth a lot when I was younger, uh, a lot in my teens and somewhat, I sometimes grew out of it out of college um, and I didn't learn the word for what I was experiencing until I was almost 24. I was already a parent by that time. When I finally learned the word that I was experiencing, I was, I was having a lot of anxiety. I was having a lot of um, stress and it showed up in my body in that way, right? To the point where I had to get a lot of dental work done, like all these things. And I remember I was heading home from the dentist and I'm not really talking. Um, I had to pick my kids up and my son, he asked me a question like, mom, you went to the dentist again. You know, you've gone a lot. Is everything okay? Because he knows he has that experience going to the dentist. And I said, well, you know, mom used to clench her teeth a lot when I was younger and it caused a lot of damage. So, you know, I've, I've learned how to, how to help, you know, regulate myself and cope with my stress so that he doesn't do that anymore. And he goes, really, mom? And I say, yeah, really. And he's like, 
yeah, sometimes I clench my teeth too. And there was this pause of, well, why didn't I say anything soon, right? And we talked about that. Well, you're clenching your teeth. Well, what is it that you feel in the morning? He's like, yeah, well, sometimes my head hurts and, you know, sometimes my jaw hurts sometimes and it's really difficult. So that's why sometimes I don't want to eat in the morning and I'm thinking how crazy is that? Because I'm thinking, you know, my anxiety came from all of these things. And now I'm learning that, no, my child too, without having experienced any of what I've experienced, he's also experiencing that same kind of anxiety, right? On almost a a molecular level, biological level. So I'm telling him ways on, you know, how he can relax before bed and what he can think about, you know, before he goes to sleep and ways that we can pray. And, um, you know, worst case, we we purchased um, a mouthpiece, a mouth guard for his mouth, because again, I didn't learn about using that until much later. And this in him saying that to me, in me sharing that to him, he was able to share something with me too, right? And I was able to figure out that this is something that he's experiencing and let me help him navigate this so that he doesn't have to have that anymore. And I'm happy to say, no, my son doesn't clench his teeth anymore, right? He's found ways to manage his anxiety and manage his stress, who even at nine, what kind of stress did he have? Apparently so much so that it goes into his sleep and he wakes up with headaches, right? So it's not to minimize his spelling test, not to minimize um, how difficult it is to make friends on the playground, not to minimize um, his teacher calling on him and him feeling unprepared, right? Because these are his stresses. These are these are the things that give him anxiety. Um, we were able to talk about that so that he could have better ways to self-regulate, so that he could have better ways to cope, so that it didn't show up in his body in a way that was really, you know, abusive and, and problematic. And I just think about that so often because it makes me think like, well, what else can I share? What else can I tell so that we can nip whatever it is that they're experiencing right now in the bud, right? He doesn't have to go until his 20s before I feel it's appropriate now for me to share that, oh, I had a lot happen to me and I was very anxious and this and this because my child would have been experiencing it for another nine years before I decided to say anything, right? So why allow them to suffer in silence? Why allow them to have that? And what could cause or disrupt that is just you talking about what you've already been through and what you've already overcome, right? So my hope to you is that you take that and you stop and think about, you know, some of the things that you could potentially share with your kids so that we can clear up any confusion, clear up any miscommunication and make it so that they do feel safe and they do feel, you know, heard. And they do have the skills to navigate their moments today, right? So being open, sharing what you wish you would have learned sooner. And lastly, just being responsible for the energy that you bring into your home. So I am a huge proponent that as a mom, I am the heartbeat of my home. 
right? I see them maneuver and I see things happen. And um, we finally got to a place where things can still happen. <laughs> things can still happen even when I'm gone, right? I don't have to worry too much that, you know, they're eating or whatever, but it's just a level of life that comes into the house when I come home, right? And uh, it's just the energy that I feel the mother brings into the house that changes everyone's cadence, right? Changes everyone's flow. So with that being said, when I'm having those difficult, challenging moments with clients, those difficult, challenging moments at work, I also know that I have to be responsible for what I allow to drip into my home, right? So being able to decompress and to cope and to release and let go of the frustration that I had and not allowing it to come over, that compartmentalizing, right? It's definitely helpful, but even in addition to that, being able to de-escalate myself, being able to get grounded for myself, being able to be mindful for myself so that I may have had a bad day, but you are not going to feel it. I may have had a frustrating conversation with one individual, but that doesn't need to carry over to you, right? And us being able to regulate that way for us being able to manage and to hold what we feel and then to release it into the moment. Because again, how we carry it is either worrying about the future or worrying about the past. And in either case, we're not concerned with the present. So rather than living in two worlds that don't exist because the past is gone and the future is not here yet, saying right here in this moment helps us to just, again, take space and to feel and to just allow the present moment to just to just be. So ways that you can do that so you don't bring it over into your home is just simply grounding yourself. My favorite technique is the five, four, three, two, one, and it has everything to do with your senses, right? So you would count five things you see and maybe listen for four things, smell for three, taste for two and feel for one or however you want. So you can switch them out. So maybe you can feel for five things, right? And then taste for four things, smell for three things, feel for two things and see one. But either way, it's that count and that de-escalation and bringing it back down, right? So being able to do that, having school tools that you can pull out for those self-regulation moments, for those emotional management moments are really necessary so that you don't bring that negative energy into your home. And if it's in your home, that negative energy, then at the same time, at the same space, you can also balance it and counter it and get everyone centered by giving them those same techniques um, onto your children. So another one, a really simple one, the count from 10, right? 10, nine, Eight, counting backwards, a lot of deep breathing, big belly breaths, those definitely help. And teaching those to your kids in moments where they're already calm because when they're escalated, it's too late to teach them the thing, right? So teaching them in, in passing, teaching them during video games, teaching them when you're cooking dinner, like, oh, that was a lot. Let's take a breath. Ready? 
so that when they hear that cue, they are immediately prompted to do the thing because they've done it so many times in a more calming and a more joyful space. So in a time that's stressful, you're able to do that and you're able to cue them in um, without a lot of pushback because it already feels familiar, right? So making it easier to relax in your home, setting the vibe, setting the tone. I don't know the things that you have in your house, but I know some of my favorites include like my diffuser because again, you're trying to get those five senses, right? The things that you feel, the things that you see, the things that you taste and smell and just having a beautiful space to sit in and look at, which can be hard. Trust me, I have two boys, right? They love to destroy a space. They love it, right? <laughs> Nerf bullets, and, you know, Play-Doh and Legos and all the things, remote control, co remote controllers, whatever, strewn on the floor. Um, they're good for, for jacking the space up. But I think also just anticipating our kids are going to create chaos. They're going to create mess and having simple things in place so that that can also be picked up, put away, swept away without a lot of frustration, without a lot of difficulty. So... Um, all in all, I say all that to say that uh, preparing our kids for this world allows a lot of just letting them be and shifting that energy in our home has a lot to do with those five senses and the things that you care to feel, right? So making it easier to relax, relying on those coping skills and those tools, and then simply just sharing your experiences because you never know what you can save them from today by not withholding information that you already have, right? So uh, in the words of Maya Angelou, you know better, you do better. So, you know, here's to doing better. Thanks.